What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast. And uh, if you haven't noticed already, we got some good, good news. I got a brand new podcast studio. No, I'm just kidding. Not a studio, but I got a mic and I dropped some money on it. So I hope it sounds different on you guys' end. I've been testing out. I think it sounds good. And uh, not only are you guys getting the fresh new Deep Dive Fantasy Football with the new equipment, but you also got... Our favorite guy back on, Nate. Nate, how's it going? Oh, man, thank you. Uh, I'm just excited to be here again. The first time was such a blast. And you text me today, and you're like, hey, you want to hop on tonight? I was like, yeah, sure, man. Can't not talk enough football. Yes, and we are actually recording this at the end of the Jets-Patriots game. There's about seven minutes left. I know you got the game up in front of you, Nate. So if you ever want to chime in and you know something crazy happens because i'm not watching i'm watching you so uh if anything crazy happens you chime in let us know but so far is there anything you've seen in this patriots game because that's that's what our tuesday podcasts are all about it's the recaps things that we can learn moving forward for the rest of fantasy so what have you seen if anything so far in this Jets game and then i'll give my two cents as well yeah a couple things so number one as long as Julian Edelman is out, Jacoby Myers is the man to own at all the wide receivers. Um, no one else even comes close to how much Cam Newton wants to target him and the ability for him just to get those little catches, you know, 8, 10 yards, but they rack up. I mean, at the end of the first half, I believe he had eight receptions for 86 yards. I mean, that's a great night, and that's what his first half and the second half he's been doing more of the same. Um, on the other side of the football, Jamison Crowder, doesn't matter if it's Joe Flacco, doesn't matter if it's Sam Donald, the guy just produces um, nice touchdown catch. We don't usually see that kind of uh, down-the-field threat by him, but uh, I like him a lot and was a big fan of him before the season started. So and, I, I have a question for you about Crowder, yeah. because I was surprised at the end of the first half that he only had one target. It was that touchdown, so that's really nice, but it seems like Mims being you know on the field now, being involved... Is kind of taking away that, like, you know, the factor that Crowder had where he was really the only go-to guy. And Perryman's healthy now, which I know you that's your favorite guy. <laughs> no, it's uh, not. If you, you guys, yeah, he hates Perryman because he's a Ravens fan and it was a bust for them. But, um, yeah, so Perryman's healthy now. And it seems like Crowder's not just the only possible target anymore. Are you worried about the fact he may not be this PPR monster that he has been when he was healthy so far this season? Yeah, so for the first couple games he played, I know he missed two games, um, but in the first couple games he played, he was like wide receiver four overall. I mean, it was ridiculous what he was putting up in PPR leagues. And I don't think you can expect that anymore. I don't think anyone ever should have in the first place. It was crazy. But you had him as your flex most likely, maybe a wide receiver three, and you're still going to be able to get that out of him. So I'm not worried about him being um, anything less than I imagined, like originally thought that he would be. But it's still good to see that he's getting those. Uh, he got a touchdown tonight. I mean, that's great. He's still getting a couple targets. It doesn't matter if Perriman or Mims are the outside receivers. Um, they're not going to really mess with his space. And 
for some reason, the Jets just don't use tight ends. So it's still Crowder's got the whole middle of the field. So I still think you can expect wide receiver three, um, really great flex numbers out of them in PPR leagues. For sure, for sure. Uh, I could see it, I could see it. And Denzel Mims, what about him? He's a rookie that's finally on the field. He's been looking really good. I think, I mean, he's passing the eye test for sure, at least from my viewpoint. And in Dynasty Leagues, yes, we, you and me, when we're talking, might say, yeah, you know, the opportunity to buy has passed. But for many people listening, they're not in as, like, you know, podcaster leagues like you and me are. So, you know, they might have a better opportunity to buy him. So if you're trying to buy Denzel Mims right now, what's something that you might offer for him? Because I think... You know, a late first is not out of the question, but maybe you think that's too much. What are, What's your thoughts on that? I personally think a late first is a little bit too much just because the 2021 class looks really That's good. true. Just I like mean, this class know, was. Yeah, I don't know how much you pay attention to, like, Debbie or college football, but, that, I mean, second-round picks next year in Dynasty Leagues are going to be worth, worth a lot. A while. Um, so, but that's what I would offer right now if I'm trying to get Mims, a uh, second-round pick. That's probably where he was picked originally in a rookie draft so yeah you'd basically top of the just second recouping. um if there's a possibility of maybe throwing a wide receiver and a third that's probably even better because i said like the debbie um this next class is gonna be really good so if you can save your second round pick um, that would be ideal but i think he's worth about a second round pick but in leagues where people aren't on top of it and don't know you know they see that he's not done anything so far this year because he's been injured they just want to recoup what they spent you know you probably can get him for a second-round pick or a you know bench player with a third-round pick. All right, I think that's great because yeah, for, yeah, he's for good. sure. So yeah, Denzel Mims looks great, and uh, who? So is the score t- still uh, twenty-seven seventeen right now? Um, I believe so. Uh, they're on replay right now, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, you let, update us on the score once that comes back up, because you know I called on Twitter. Uh, Belichick might be trying to lose this game. And, you know, not only because, you know, the Jets have a chance at Trevor and he could ruin that by giving them a win, but, I mean, if he loses both to the Jets, he'll have the tie break in terms of draft order. So what if he can get Trevor? I don't know. It's kind of a long shot because, you know, Belichick probably doesn't want to lose. But, you know, you never know. So that's something to keep a a lookout on. And before we get into the rest of the game recaps, um, I'm going to just go through this real quick because I have you here with us and I'm sure everyone wants to hear the back and forth between you and me on the actual game recaps, but I have a couple waiver pickups. I'm just going to go over real quick. It's the Miami defense. If you have a deep bench, weeks 11 through 13, I said this last week, guys, Denver, Jets, and the Bengals. Those are their three uh, matchups from weeks 11 to 13, so they're a good pickup, and their defense has been playing really well. Then you got Richie James. Richie James is 2% owned right now. He is the San Fran wide receiver. He had 13 targets. He looked really good. Granted, he's probably not going to be great once Ayuk and Debo are healthy and whatnot, but in deep leagues, he's worth a look. J.D. McKissick, 24% owned. He's actually had 30 targets in the last four games. That's ridiculous. And, you know, it hurts us as Antonio Gibson lovers here at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, but that is it is what it is, and he's been really good for that reason, especially in PPR leagues. And we have Preston Williams. He's starting to seem like Tua's favorite over Parker, Devontae Parker, and he did get hurt, but he seems like he'll be back soon. And Nate, quick question. Preston Williams or Devontae Parker, rest of the season? Oh, I love Preston Williams. Um, before he got injured last year, he actually was out-targeting Devontae Parker in a per-game basis. I was waiting for it to happen this year. I knew he was coming off the injury, so it was going to take a while. But it was nice to see that Tua was thrown to Williams because so far it's been a disappointment. And Williams is really good. 
He was an undrafted free agent, but only because of off-the-field issues, not because of how he played on the field. And then Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson's 16% owned. How do you feel about him coming up versus, you know, assuming David Johnson with his concussion is out next week in an okay matchup versus Cleveland, could you feel confident rolling out Duke Johnson as a, you know, low-end RB2? And if so, would you feel comfortable dropping like $5 out of 100 on him? Yeah, I mean, I think if you need a running back to like really badly, I think he's not someone you know bad to grab, especially if David Johnson, you know, volume's king. But at the same time, I do not have high expectations. Cleveland's a decent defense against the run, and the the Texans just don't throw to the running backs that often. Yeah. Uh, we did see a bit more this year with David Johnson than last year because I don't know. I don't know what Bill O'Brien was doing. I don't know why. They even nobody, nobody knows what Bill O'Brien's doing, brother. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if I trust him to get RB two numbers. I mean, you think just because of volume that he should be able to. But if you're picking him up and playing him as your flex, I think that's a great one week flex. Yeah, I like him as a flex too. And then I don't know if you know, maybe not for you. And this only happened like one or two of my leagues, mainly my home leagues. But if you guys had Mike Davis get dropped in your leagues, just check. Just check. Because some people were like, oh, McCaffrey's back. Oh, McCaffrey's got, you know, a touchdown in this game. Like, he's healthy. And they just dropped Mike Davis. I saw that happen in two of my leagues. And, you know, he's still 75% owned. So, like, probably not. But just check. Because Christian McCaffrey might be out another week. So, he's a great one. And then lastly, I have KJ Hamler. He had 10 targets. Granted, him, Tim Patrick, and Judy all were nine targets or more in that game, but KJ Hamler is getting a lot more volume than I would have expected for the type of receiver he is, especially how he came out out of college. So I wouldn't mind dropping a dollar on him. And with that said, we can get all the way back to the Thursday game, Packers 49ers. Personally, Nate, I don't think there's much to take on the Packers side. I mean, it was the Packers offense that we've seen. Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers. That's pretty much it. You get your boom plays from MVS, but he's not trustworthy. I don't really see much on the Packers side to talk about. I have a few 49ers takeaways. Uh, We kind of already talked about Richie James as a waiver pickup. He did have a great day with 13 targets, 9 receptions, 184 yards, and a touchdown. And he may have earned himself a role. If anything, though, I don't really think he will be great. He might hurt Ayuk and Debo at all. Do you think there's any chance that he does? No, I mean, he plays the same role as Debo and Ayuk. They are these wide receivers that Shanahan can move around and, you know, scheme touches for. And it worked great against the Packers because Richard James was the only person to throw to, really. Um, But once the other guys come back, uh, he'll go back to being, at best, wide receiver four on an offense that isn't, you know, one of the top passing offenses in the league. So he was a great DFS play this week if you got lucky and picked him as your captain. Um, if you, for some reason, you know, had the idea to start him in your fantasy league this week, great for you. But honestly, <laughs> yeah, I, don't I don't think, think anyone had that idea. I don't think he's got much going for him the rest of the season as long as the other guys are healthy and playing. And then the other takeaway for me is you never know. You never know who the stud running back will be for the 49ers on a week-to-week basis if Mostert isn't healthy. Hasty was the slam play for everyone, the smash play for everyone this week, and he got six touches. Six touches. Are you ever going to start a 49ers running back if it's not Reem Mostert? And it's a perfect question for you because I know you loved Mostert. So if Mostert's not healthy, would you ever start a running back? And I'm sure you'll say McKinnon and PPR, but outside of that. Yeah, I mean... I know everyone expected Hasty to do well, and I love Jermichael Hasty. I love who he was as a prospect. I didn't have super high expectations for him, but I think myself and the guys at Dynasty Rewind had 
bigger expectations for him than some other people because he was undrafted free agent, but we liked his film. But at the end of the day, going into this game, I knew that the 49ers would be playing from behind. So I also knew that that meant Jermichael Hasey would not be seeing a lot of touches because McKinnon is the receiving back there. So I smashed McKinnon on this, and I it worked out pretty well. Um, I didn't play Jermichael Hasey anywhere. I'm glad I didn't. So as, if it's not Mostert, I like McKinnon, like you said, in PPR leagues, especially if the game script looks like it's going to be more passing. But it is hard. I mean, Jeff Wilson, when he was healthy, just – had that random day with like three touchdowns and McKinnon had like negative one point. So <laughs> it is a yeah, bit ridiculous. It is tough for sure. And I really like that point that you made about game script because I know a lot of people looked at that matchup versus Green Bay and were like, man, the 49ers can run this ball down their throat. They have had a horrible defense against the run and that's what the 49ers do best. But game script is important, guys. That's always something you want to look at. And just like Nate said, he hit it on the head. He was able to avoid Hasty because of game script. So great job there. And it's important for us to always remember game script is a huge part of fantasy football. Then we have the Giants-Washington game. This is another one where there's not too much. I feel like the deeper we get into the season, Nate, there's less and less. Unless it's a, you know, a rookie or somebody getting injured. I feel like we, we know much more as the season goes on. It's harder to find things super important. And... I feel like that's the same situation here with the Giants and the Washington football team. Sterling Shepard, to me, is the only trustworthy wide receiver for fantasy. Slayton got one target. He's definitely somebody that should be rostered, in my opinion, because he has that boom-bust guy. And I don't mind playing him in super easy matchups, like versus a bad defense where the Giants are probably behind. Hence, game script, you know, hinting that he should get a lot of targets. But outside of that, I mean, Sterling Shepard's the only guy I could actually play week to week. And then on the other side of the ball, J.D. McKissick... He went bananas in the receiving game, getting 14 targets. Man, if they just threw to Antonio Gibson more. If they just threw it to Antonio Gibson, he would be so good. He would be a top 10, like fringe 10 to 12 running back if they just gave him half of what they were giving to McKissick in the receiving game. And other than that, and the fact that McLaurin's been great with all the different quarterbacks, which I think is always a sign of a, a really good, good receiver, is there anything that you saw in this game worth mentioning? Um, not really. Like you said, I was disappointed with Darius Lane. I like him a lot. Just, you know, the entire Giants offense is bad. Uh, everyone likes to talk about how Sterling Shepard is just not good or very injury prone. And he is injury prone. But when he's on the field, he always produces. So you just have to hope that when you start him, he's not going to get hit in the head. Um, but I love Terry McLaurin. I absolutely love Terry McLaurin. I have him in a lot of dynasty leagues. He is doing great, like you said, without any good quarterbacks. And he's actually outproduced A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf in their careers, their very short careers. But so far, he has tons more yards, tons more receptions, a couple less touchdowns, but that's just based on the offense he plays on. Yeah, and you D.K.'s know, had Russell Wilson. I mean, Terry McLaurin yeah. hasn't had anyone. Exactly. And w once the Washington football team can get a good quarterback, which this looks like it could be the year, Looks like they're in line to get a Justin Fields or a mm -hmm. Trey Lance. Yep. Or, you know, if you want to go farther down the board, there's some, some other quarterbacks that have good potential. And Haskins, they obviously do not think is the answer. Kyle Allen and Alex Smith are not the answer. So it's got to happen. And I don't think that hurts McLaurin at all, a rookie quarterback next year. A rookie quarterback will likely, you know, target him 30% of the time at least. 
Yeah. Because he's all they got. He's out always there. he's and he's always open. He's always open. Yeah. So and you know he can do it all. He can go down the field. He can do the slants. He can do the curls. He has some yards after the catch. He's great. He's really great. And I think he needs some more love in both redraft leagues and dynasty leagues. I mean, people like him in dynasty leagues because he's young and he's been productive. But he's never up there when they're talking about the great young wide receivers like DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and CB Lamb. Yeah, he is a good sleeper in that sense for sure. Yep. And then we got the Lions Vikings game. DeAndre Swift, he got 18 touches. Let's keep it going, baby. Let's keep it going. I know yes, that he was. It. Yeah, I know they were still giving snaps, a lot of snaps that, which is frustrating to Adrian Peterson and whatnot. But it's encouraging. We're seeing this upward trend just continue for Swift taking over that backfield. Hopefully, they just keep committing to him. TJ Hawkinson got a healthy eight targets. He had a sick catch in this game, by the way. If you didn't see it, you should check it out. Uh, there was a pass that Stafford threw that it was like behind him, and he reached, he turned his hips, he like reached behind him to catch. I thought it was nice. And uh, he's a top five tight end rest of season, as he has been thus far. And DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson are the only lines I want any part of. And Nate, I know I sent you over my notes, and I don't know if you saw that part. But obviously, I don't have Galladay mentioned in there. For me, look, obviously, if you have Galladay, that's great. But it's it's just more of like, I like Swift a lot. I like TJ a lot. I like them as, you know, where they were taken. And Galladay was never somebody I pivoted to in the offseason. And now he's hurt. So do you agree with me? Is like Swift and obviously Galladay, I'm just lower on him. Swift, Galladay, and TJ Hawkinson, those are the only guys that own. Or are you still looking at Marvin Jones, looking his direction at all? No, I mean, as much as I like Marvin Jones going into the season, it has been very disappointing. Yeah, the and last three weeks have been out. good, though. Yeah, I mean, he did well on Sunday, but it still hasn't been what you expect. So, and he's not getting any younger. So, I'm not on Marvin Jones anymore, even in redraft leagues for the rest of the season. I mean, he'll be decent, but, I mean, it might for the value-wise, if you can sell him right now, and you can just, it probably is best. Um, I do love DeAndre Swift. Last time I was on here, I was talking about how I think he's, you know, the running back of the future and yeah. someone you need to buy right now. I mean, he still isn't getting the lion's shares of touches. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> oh, got him. <laughs> oh, man. But he's really good, and I don't know why they're still using on Johnson AP, but it's going to have to start changing soon, especially because Patricia's on the hot seat. So, um, of course, Hawkinson, like you said, he's – great tight end for the rest of the season and dynasty he was so slept on this offseason in dynasty it was ridiculous he really was and i agree with you on galladay i'm not as high on him as other people i wasn't going into the season um but now could be a good time to buy low i don't know what galladay owners are doing Mm -hmm. but i mean it looks like he's gonna be out a couple more weeks if not the rest of the season and he hasn't been great so far. He has had some big games, but he has not been like the wide receiver a lot of people expected him to be. A lot of people. Yeah, he's never him that target be. hog guy either. Yeah, I mean, people expected him with Stafford to be like a 10, 15 target player with touchdown upside and, you know, a consistent wide receiver one. And he hasn't been that. So if you can grab him, I mean, I would love to have a Galladay as my wide receiver two in any league. And then on the other side of the ball, I'm pretty sure you had something interesting. To say about Dalvin Cook, um, and I know Thielen and Jefferson are also on that team, so we'll talk about them too. But you want to go ahead and uh, hit them, hit them with that yeah. question. <laughs> so obviously Dalvin Cook is incredible. I was looking up the stats, and 
you know how in fantasy football, quarterbacks have so many freaking points. It's ridiculous. But Dalvin Cook, over the last three games, is the second highest scoring player in all of fantasy football. And he's only behind Devonta Adams, who's at, who has uh, 36.1 points per game over the last three games played. Dalvin Cook has 35.9. And those guys are both over Kyler Murray, who's averaging 34.6 and is currently on pace to like break the record for fantasy points by beast, a quarterback. Beast. So Dalvin Cook is winning you your league right now, most likely, unless the rest of your team is absolute trash. Um, even if your team's absolute <laughs> trash, you're still competitive. So I was wondering, is it crazy to have Dalvin Cook with his new contract and the production he has right now, even on a bad Vikings team, is it crazy to think of him as the dynasty running back one? Yes. Now, I don't have him ranked there. <laughs> I have McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara above him. I have him at three. But is it too crazy to rank him as the running back one? I know the big holdup is injuries. Yes, injuries and, and the offensive system. Okay, let me ask you this. You said McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, right? Why not Saquon? And I'll give you my argument. See, Saquon, all right, he's been injured. Dalvin Cook has been injured. Neither one you can make an argument for. And if you had to make the argument, I think it would lean towards Cook being more injury prone. But you can't really make that argument. That's pretty even there, right? Now, who's the better talent? Well, one was drafted, what was Saquon, two overall, right? Dalvin Cook lasted to the second round. Saquon Barkley looks amazing. Dalvin Cook looks amazing. They're both on horrible teams. Saquon's younger. So why would you not want Saquon over Dalvin Cook? Yeah, well, I mean, if I was rebuilding and I could grab Saquon and extra for selling Dalvin Cook, I would. But Which you guys I might be able to do. If, yeah. if you sell it to somebody who can win right now that has Saquon, you might you be able to pull that off. That. You could definitely do that. Um, but part of the reason is just rest of the season. It's Dynasty, Dynasty Fantasy Football is still, you're trying to win this season. So, uh, so you mean from Dynasty now. Dynasty Fantasy Football still matters, you know. If you're gotcha. rebuilding, then obviously you're looking at things much gotcha. differently. But still, I mean, Saquon, I know the Giants were bad, and they are bad still. But he did not look great this season. I mean, I know you can blame that on the offensive line. Saquon obviously is still good, but his production was not good. Mm -hmm. And he's coming off an ACL injury, which is much easier to come off now than it was even just a decade before. But it's still a little worrisome. I mean, we see a guy like Preston Williams, who's maybe not the best talent in the world, but it's taken him half a season to just be able to produce in the field. ACL injuries are not easy to come back like we think they are. It still takes a lot of work. It still takes a lot just to mentally get back from ACL injury. I had an ACL injury, and, I mean, it took me two years to not think about my knee every time I went oh, on wow. the field. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, so that's that's part of my reason, too. I mean, I don't think he's going to just hit the ground running week one. So, obviously, I'm not denying Saquon's talent, but if I had to do a startup right now, that's the question. Okay. before Saquon. The season's over. The season is over, and it's a startup for the next season. Are you taking Dalvin Cook or Saquon Barkley? And then we'll we'll finish this conversation off. Um, I'm probably still taking Dalvin Cook. Oh, I don't man. think the Giants are going to be good next year either. <laughs> the Vikings might, but the Giants aren't going to be any better for at least two more years. All right, all right. 
And then the receivers, do you have anything important you want to say about them? I think it's all clear to us that because of how good Dalvin Cook is, it's just they're, they're going to suffer for it. You know, they're back end wide receiver twos. Uh, and, you know, maybe one of them is like a flex the rest of the season. There's just not enough pass volume. Is there anything you wanted to add to that? Or you think that that pretty much wraps them up? Um, I don't know if I can say the same that like Dalvin Cook really takes away from them. I mean, he does, but at the same time, this is not going to be the usual game script for the Vikings. Their defense is not good. This was a really weird game where they got ahead early. That does not happen often this season for the Vikings. Mm -hmm. So I would say there's still going to be times where Cousins has to throw the ball and and racks up 300-something yards, and Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen or both could have wide receiver one games. We've already seen it this year. Um, But... I do understand it. I mean, you don't want to rely on them as your wide receiver one for the rest of the season. They should be your wide receiver twos um, because you're just not going to be able to get consistency from either one. See, I would be comfortable with Thielen as my two, but not Jefferson, just because Thielen is the established presence. He's the go-to guy right now over Jefferson. And I'm not saying like they're wide receiver twos back end every week. Obviously, they're going to have those big games, but I think just, you know, averaged over the course of the rest of the season, I feel like that's probably where they're going to finish. I think rest of the season, they are pretty equal. I don't think I have feeling really much above Justin Yeah, I think it's like probably two, three spots. It's not Jefferson too big of a is difference. so efficient. He's been so efficient on a not great offense. So it's been really impressive. Um, sometimes efficiency is, you know, uh, just a yeah. little flash in the pan. It but is. It's that's tough. what I said about A.J. Brown. Exactly, yes. <laughs> We're going to talk about him, too. He's a monster. All right. So that'll wrap up that game. Then we have the Ravens-Colts. The writing is on the wall for Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, maybe you could argue with this, but, I mean, after a fumble, he got benched basically for the rest of the game. Yep. (laughs) And, I mean, Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines, they're just good enough to stop Jonathan Taylor from getting a big workload all season. It hurts my soul. Yeah, it does. So it sounds like you're on the same page with me, right? We can admit it. We can. And I'm, I'm fine with it, honestly. It doesn't hurt me to say it because I only have him in, like, 8% 8% of my leagues. Um, but, I mean, it's not like I'm taking a victory lap. It's obvious I did not expect something like this to happen. Nobody did. We all thought he would get more carries, would look better, and just a lot of things have, have happened. But uh, I think the question here for me to ask you is, Dynasty, do you have any worry about him? Because one thing I think we didn't really consider too much of, and I kind of found out after the fact, once the season started, is, that the Wisconsin run scheme was not really the same as the Colts. And you have the Colts offensive line is great, but it's not opening the holes that were being opened at Wisconsin. Do you think, I mean, for me, I think it's kind of just a vision problem right now for Jonathan Taylor, probably not just vision, but also a little bit of confidence. I think that was a big problem for Ronald Jones when he first came in. And obviously that's something that can fix. Do you think Jonathan Taylor is just as good as we thought he was for next year and on? And yeah, Marlon Mack's coming do. back, too. Is that something that worries you at all? Marlon Mack will be a free agent, so I'm not worried about it. So you don't um, think they, they re-sign him? Uh, I, I don't think Pretty so. Cheap. All right. And then what about Jordan Wilkins, Naheem Hines? Um, I don't know if – I don't know what their contract situation looks. I honestly haven't looked into it. I I'm think sure Wilkins – I'm pretty sure Wilkins and Mack are both free agents. But, I, I mean, yeah. it's hard for me to see them just with how Taylor has performed this season just moving forward with Taylor and Hines. Yeah. Um, I'm not worried about Taylor, even if Hines is still there. Um, Taylor can still be a great fantasy running back. Like you said, I think it's major confidence issues right now. I think Taylor, you know, being used to his 
run scheme is one thing, but also the way he was used at Wisconsin. He was like a Derrick Henry type back, not in like that power back who just runs over people all the time, but in the fact that he got 30 to 40 carries a game and got better as the game went on. That's true. Yeah, they're the not Colts, giving him the ball. The Colts are not doing that with him. They're giving him no leeway. They're not letting him build up in a game. They're using him sparingly and, you know, being very wishy-washy with committing to him. And I think it's, you know, it's part of, partly him not playing well so far, but it's also partly the Colts just not using him correctly. He should be out there on third down. He's shown that he can catch pass. He's shown that he can pass block. And he should be out there taking runs in the fourth quarter when the defense is tired. I, I don't really understand what the Colts are doing, especially with their whole win-now approach. I understand when they want to go with the hot hand, but... If they want to have a good running back to the playoffs, they need to get Jonathan Taylor going. That's true. I completely agree with that. They do need to get him going. They and cannot win the playoffs without him at doing his best. You know, I'm happy you said that because, Nate, they're not going to win the playoffs regardless. I don't care how good Jonathan no. Taylor is. Look, Phillip Rivers, as per, per tradition on this podcast, Phillip Rivers sucks. I present the evidence of literally this entire season, and I think the case is closed. I mean, Philip Rivers, I, I was saying it from the beginning. At the signing, what are the Colts doing? Like, Philip Rivers is not going to get it done. And honestly, if you're not going to win the Super Bowl, if you don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl, why is signing Philip Rivers, who might be able to get you to the playoffs, which, I mean, I think they would have the same record right now with Jacoby Brissett, um, why would signing Philip Rivers be a smart idea if it's not going to take you all the way? Because then you're just handicapping yourself in a draft with good quarterbacks, giving yourself no shot to find a replacement. Philip Rivers is on a one-year deal. He's obviously not getting any better. We don't have like huge free agents unless somehow they get Darnold, which I think they should do. Darnold or like Dak Prescott, but I don't think that's happening. I'm sure he's re-signing in Dallas. But there's pretty much no answer for them unless they can trade for Darnold. I mean, they're not going to be able to draft somebody. So yeah. I thought it was a horrible move. And I was just talking about this with somebody um, about Michael Pittman Jr., um, who is back and he had seven targets. You know, I like how he was as a prospect. I like the situation he's in. But at the same time, I'm a little nervous about the Colts quarterback situation moving forward. Philip Rivers, I don't think, is even there next year. Yep. Um, he hasn't shown anything this year to be no there next way. year. Jacoby Brissett is not the answer. We already know that. And they have played themselves out of drafting a good quarterback. It's the same issue I have with the Pittsburgh Steelers not trying to grab somebody last year in the middle rounds to kind of groom because who do they have once Big Ben leaves? And they're too good to have a top pick. So it's kind of this weird situation where these good teams with older quarterbacks need to figure out where they're going in the future because I'm scared to pick up any of the wide receivers for Dynasty. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, as a Colts fan, like, I would be very frustrated with that team right now, uh, with the decisions they've made. But moving to the other side of the ball, you have the Ravens. Man, the Lamar Jackson regression has hit, but it hit like no one could have saw. I mean, we all knew it was coming, but not to this level. I mean, I don't even think, man, I should have checked this, but I'm pretty sure he's not even, like, a top eight quarterback on the season. Probably not. Yeah, and... I mean, the Colts were snuffing out the quarterback keeps all game. Lamar is still inaccurate. And this is your team, so I'm going to let you take this away. But I just want to say real quick that, guys, this is the reason that I was staying away from Marquise 
Brown and Mark Andrews and all the running backs because just the way that offense is built, there's not enough targets to make guys like Brown and Andrews consistent and knowing Lamar was going to regress and the fact that Lamar runs a bunch and they had Ingram, Dobbins, Edwards. That's why I stay away from the running backs. Not enough touches to go around. I mean, it's it's your team, Nate. So what do you got on them? What is there anything that you think is a like, you know, something you could give us, whether good, bad, something to do with the Ravens situation? Yeah, so it's obviously a lot to unravel, and I don't have the all, all the answers. I mean, I was told before the season that, hey, just so you know, Greg Roman's second year is always terrible. And I was like, oh, don't worry, though. It's not going to happen. Well, Greg Roman's second year's offense coordinator has been terrible for the offense so far. Um, and I do blame a lot of the issues for the Ravens' offense in general on him where he will not stick to the run game and he wants to be pass-happy, even though that's not what the Ravens are built to do. But that doesn't really go into Lamar Jackson's fantasy performance. Um, that is something. You said he's still inaccurate, and yes, he hasn't looked great this season. He has a 63% completion rate, um, which is better than his rookie year, but not as good as last year. But actually, against the Colts, he had an almost 83% completion rate. Um, there wasn't a lot of deep shots down the field. Yeah, see, that's the thing. That, that can a be a dump-offs. But maybe that stat. can help get his confidence up, you know. The deep passes just weren't working this year. They worked last year. They just weren't hitting this year. Um, I'm not sure what the problem is. There just seems to be a disconnect between him and Marquise Brown. Oh, squeaky Mark wheel. Andrews, squeaky Mark wheel. Andrews still looks good. Um, just isn't getting the volume that he got last year, especially in the red zone, as they're just not scoring as many points. Nick Boyle is getting used more. Um, it's just kind of too many mouths to feed with not enough volume for the pass game. And then in the run game, it's the same thing. There's too many mouths to feed where you have four different players when Ingram's healthy taking rushing attempts. So it's hard to rely on anybody right now for fantasy. Um, NFL-wise, the offense looked really good in the second half. They looked exactly like the Ravens should look where they take, you know, I think in the second half they had like 20-something minutes of possession and the Colts had like five. And they just ran the ball down their throats. That's what the Ravens' offense is meant to do. It's not great for fantasy, and we're seeing that um, Boy, even yeah, when they are right. doing well as an offense, it's not doing well for your fantasy team. You worried about uh, Marquise Brown, Squeaky Wheel, Antonio Brown's cousin at all? No. No? Um, not, not I'm for... not, I, was, I was never a big fan of Marquise Brown for fantasy Interesting. football. He, oh, um, for fantasy. Yeah. I, I love him as I love him on the team, but mm. for fantasy, I don't really have him anywhere because he's just the type of player that's going to be boom-bust I don't want that kind of player in my offense because then I feel like I have to start him every week and he's going to give me too many duds. Um, so I'm not worried about him in an NFL sense. I think it'll come. In a fantasy sense, I feel the same way about him I've always felt where you know he's not a bad wide receiver three or flex, but at the same time, I'd rather have somebody else with a similar value just because they're going to give me more consistency than Marquise Brown is, partly because of how he plays and also partly because of the Ravens offense. I see. I see. You keep looking up. What's the? Uh, is the game over? Um, the Patriots just kicked the field goal with one second left, zero seconds left to win the game. Oh, to win! Wow. Thirty twenty-seven. Wow. All right. So I guess uh, Belichick's man. All right. I guess he's not gonna get Trevor, and the uh, Jets are still un, not undefeated. What's the opposite of undefeated, Nate? Unwin. Unwin. Unwind. 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 
What? There you go, guys. You have it unwind. We just made that up right here on the spot. We're moving forward with it. So before we get to the Bears Titans game, um, just because I did just go back and touch on the Jets, um, Rashad Perryman. He is a guy that I traded. I don't know if this was in the league, the dynasty league I'm with, in with you. I don't think it was. It might have been a different one. Um, I know we're actually in two together. Um, two of my four. So that's a 50%. That's pretty good. Um, but I just traded a third rounder for Brashad Perryman, feeling pretty good about it. Because whether or not he's a Jet, I think he's talented enough of a player to have a role on an offense next year. I needed a wide receiver for this year. I'm kind of in win-now mode. And I've had some you know, injuries at the wide receiver position right now. I've just, I had Boyd on by, I've just been rolling with like Mike Evans and Boyd pretty much the whole year. Uh, I've had everyone else be yes. hurt. So I traded at third for Perriman and it was great for this week. It probably won me this week actually. And I like Perriman a lot. Would you make that same move seeing the talent of the guy that once spurned you? Would you trade a third in a dynasty league for Brashad Perriman? Just curious. I think a third is his value. I don't think it's a bad trade. Um, I just stay away from Rashad Perriman. I mean, he's with the Jets, so I don't think he, I don't think he can do what he did tonight every week. And also, I don't know where he ends up next year, but I don't think he's talented enough to step right into a wide receiver one, wide receiver two spot. Um, he's, I think he's only doing as well as he is because the Jets just aren't good. Um, but. Hey, what do I know? I liked him when he came out of college, and he did absolutely nothing for the Ravens. And he won me my championship in my home league last year when I picked him up off the waivers. Oh, wow. Um, and you're still throwing so hate. It was it was ironic, I'd say. And mm, interesting. I moved him this offseason in my dynasty leagues after I picked him up off the waivers because I just don't want any part of it. Um, you know, Power two, if you're chasing the upside, there's a chance he goes somewhere. He has all the physical tools in the world to succeed. Looks like he finally has some confidence because he's not dropping the ball every time. Yeah. To him. Um, but I've just been burned too many times by yeah, Perriman to I feel you. put my trust in him. I but feel you. On a very objective standpoint, I think a third round pick is a good value, and you know you're chasing the upside. So. So speaking of wide receivers to target. In Dynasty, Darnell Mooney got 11 targets. Granted, it was off 52 pass attempts, so target share is still good. Just about 20% target share. Good players, guys, that get open will see targets eventually. That's Darnell Mooney. We've all been tweeting out. If you're not on Twitter, you need to get on Twitter. But we've all been retweeting and showing all these videos of Darnell Mooney. Wide open, mad yards of separation, and Foles misses him, misses him, misses him. Well, now he's starting to target him more. He's starting to actually connect with them. I'm still not excited on in redraft leagues unless it's like a super deep league, and I want your opinion on that, Nate. But I do like him for Dynasty leagues. So if you grabbed him, good job. And if for some reason you can get him for like the Brashad Perriman price, a third rounder, uh, go for it. And would you pay more than that? And how do you feel about him this year? Um, I would not pay more than a third rounder, though I do like Darnell Mooney a lot. It's the situation, like right? It's the situation? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's part of the situation. It's another team where they're too good to get a top quarterback. I mean, maybe they try to get uh, one of the free agent quarterbacks, but this year there's not too many other than Dak, who looks like he'll likely stay in the Cowboys. And if he goes somewhere else, I doubt it's the Chicago Bears. Um, so it's just another situation that's not great offensively. And Mooney is a kind of wide receiver who's not going to 
know, he got 11 targets this week, but that's not going to be the usual. He's kind of that Deshaun Definitely Jackson not. style receiver. Gets down the field. Needs a quarterback who can hit him down the field. I like that comp. Yeah, and he was actually, when I scouted him, I basically said he was K.J. Hamler light. Mm-hmm. And K.J. Hamler was constantly being compared to Deshaun Jackson. So, you know, it's that same kind of player. Mooney's actually been really good at not just being only a deep down the field threat this year. He's shown progress in his route running and those intermediate routes, mm-hmm. which is great. I have a lot of him everywhere because as soon as they drafted him, I was like, this guy's going to fit right into the Taylor Gabriel role of the offense, and he is doing that right now. He's outplaying Anthony Miller. He is. And I like Mooney in all my dynasty leagues. I'm trying to get him. I think a third-round pick is going to get him because whoever has him likely got him either off the waivers or in the fifth round. So a third round usually should be able to you know catch their eye. And I think that's good value. I think he has tons of upside. He's young. He's a rookie. We love that for wide receivers. They have a long shelf life. And he looks very talented. Just we'll have to see if the situation gets better. But um, if it's Nick Foles, if it's Mitch Trubisky, it's likely capped his potential. But as soon as they get another quarterback, could be big things for him. And then we got David Montgomery. Uh, he did get hurt. Hopefully he's back. He's in comp- concussion protocol so he he had a bad game i i still think he's gonna bounce back i still like him as a buy he has a amazing top five schedule in the playoffs for fantasy for running backs and then aj brown is the second freak of nature to dk metcalf the man is an animal people can't tackle him and he's the only receiving weapon worth owning in that offense is there anybody else on that offense for the titans receiving wise that you would want to own in a redraft league I still like Corey Davis. Wow. I liked Corey Davis coming into this season, and I'm glad he's finally having like this fourth-year breakout. This season, he hasn't had a – let me check out. What he do? What did he do on a Sunday? This week, he had a yes. three targets, and he didn't do much with it. All right. Well, up to this point, the, the lowest score he had put up was 12 PPR points. So he had been very consistent. So far this season, I know this this Sunday didn't look very good, but he has been consistent. He has been a great wide receiver, you know, three or a flex, and that's likely what you have him in, if not just a flex. So I think he, he's still definitely worth having in redraft leagues. In dynasty leagues, he's going to be a free agent this season, and I don't know where he ends up, but he has first-round talent. He's showing up this year in a contract year, so I think he's going to end up in a decent position with some decent money, and I think he is a good dynasty buy, too. All right, and then we got the Texans-Jaguars. The Texans won. And, uh, Nate, I know this is going to be a little weird to you, but I got to do it. The Texans won, so, guys, divers, that means we are still alive in the survivor pool. Let's take a minute to enjoy it. Oh, yeah. We're alive, baby. Hey, Top 3%, All right. <laughs> I think that's good enough. Just had to celebrate that. Guys, we're doing really good there. And uh, Duke Johnson, he took all the work when David Johnson left the game. All of it. No other running back got touches. 
And I think he's a decent pickup if David Johnson is out next week versus Cleveland. I know you said you weren't too excited on him. We kind of already hit on him, so you don't need to talk about him anymore. Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, they continue to be great. And uh, by the way, guys, I, I just remembered this off the, the, the Cooks comment. If you guys listen to the DFS draft, I know I had one against Nate. I just had one against Sia, and I won that one too. So I'm 2-0 so far in the DFS drafts. I'm, we might have to run it back, Nate. You got to try and redeem yourself. But uh, I did it off the back of Cooks, Chark, and a few other guys that were, you know, I went with the cheaper, like, middling wide receivers, and they were all hitting for me. That's what took me to victory. Um, so, yeah, 2-0 in that, and Fuller and Cooks are great. Do you have anything you want to say about the Texans? Yeah, not too much. I mean, I just think anyone who doubted Sean Watson in the beginning of the season needs to, you know, come up and just admit that they were wrong. I don't know why anyone would ever doubt Deshaun Watson. He's one of the most talented quarterbacks. I'm not going to lie. I did doubt him for fantasy, but there's no way I would ever doubt his skill. I just was always telling everyone to avoid him. And I've been right so far, except for Dak's injury. But I was saying, you know, in that tier, you remember, it was Kyler, Russell, Dak, and Deshaun. And I was saying there's no way I'm taking Deshaun over any of those guys. And, I mean, we've seen Russell and Kyler be amazing. Dak was amazing until he got hurt. So that seemed like the right call. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. Watson's town is I mean, unquestioned. In redraft, yes, I get it. I mean, yeah, yeah, gotta, of course. I always have a dynasty. Uh, yes, yeah. Well. Nate is dynasty centered, guys. I know I try and keep it like, like mainstream, but this is our dynasty guy with us right here. Yeah, I mean, I did draft Deshaun Watson in a redraft league, and a little early, I had to oh. pivot after Moster got picked right in front of me. So I panicked and drafted Deshaun Watson, who had a terribly ridiculously hard schedule to start the season and it showed and also bill o'brien was just yeah at least he's out of there that's one one positive so as soon as bill o'brien left i was like all right we're good now (laughs) you know the schedule is better and bill o'brien's gone and i mean deshaun watson has looked great he looks like a quarterback that you know i'm happy to have my team every week and I hope he can keep it up. It looks like he can. Yeah. Fuller and Cooks, like you said, are great. They're both very good wide receivers, and they're both good for fantasy for football. Sure. And I think that's going to continue. Texans don't have a great defense. They're going to throw the ball. Deshaun Watson has the rushing upside. And I think there's more to come from him for the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and speaking of the guys that was in that same tier, Russell Wilson, that's the next game we're going to, Seahawks-Bills. First off, guys, the X factor in this game, Josh Allen's grandmother passing. Look, the motivation stuff is completely real. It is so real. And if I knew this before the game, I would have retracted my Seattle wins by like ridiculous margins statement because, you know, that's a that's a real thing. And most of the time, I would say probably like 80, 85 percent of the time somebody has something tragic happen and they decide to play. They go crazy. Um, obviously, that's not the only thing that happened. The Seattle defense needs to improve. Josh Allen has John Brown back, which is really helping. Um, how, how do you feel about, you know, just that game? Was there anything that you found interesting? I mean, other than the Russell turnovers, I think Laquette had a, a decent floor game. Like, people need to relax about him. Like, his floor games are not – his bus games are not really busts. I mean, he's getting 8, 10 points on his bad days, and his yeah. ceiling is worth it. So you always have to start, start Laquette, in my opinion. And, yeah, I mean, Diggs and Brown, it's the Diggs and Brown show in Buffalo. Um, so is there anything that you found interesting? I, I mean, other than the actual game itself, fantasy-wise, I don't think there was anything too interesting here. No, I mean, it was kind of what we expected, um, except for you know, the turnovers with Russell Wilson. And, just, <laughs> and the Bills winning. 
Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think people have always slept on Lockett. Even with this start to the season, they still are. Um, I, people were trying to sell high on Lockett, but he's really good, and he's Russell Wilson's favorite target. I mean, I know D- DK Metcalf gets some, you know, games where he does a lot better than Lockett, but Wilson loves throwing the Tyler Lockett. Yeah. It's ridiculous the catches that Lockett makes sometimes for being how small he is. So I don't think anyone needs to worry about Lockett and his fantasy value. Um, with the Bills, I think it's crazy that they just went all out with the passing game, and it was the right call. And Pete Carroll yeah, talked about how ridiculous. he didn't expect that. But the Seahawks are on pace to break the record for most yards allowed by a defense. Which is the Packers a couple so many years ago? Yeah, you wouldn't and, expect that from it from the Seahawks for sure. And they're gonna break that record. They're on pace to break it by almost a thousand yards. Wow, that is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Just how bad start that your players is. with the Seahawks. That's what Nate is saying, guys. Yes, yeah, start. I mean, start your start whatever teams playing the Seahawks. Start their wide receiver three and four. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's bad, and I don't think they're gonna be able to fix it. I know they just got Carlos Dunlop. And he had a good game. He had two and a half sacks, I believe. Adams is back, Jamal Adams. But Hey, I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see it. It keeps DK good, keeps Lockett good, keeps Russ yeah. good, and it gives the Bucks a chance to beat them in the playoffs if they meet. <laughs> then we got the Falcons-Broncos game. Um, there's not really anything that happened significantly for the Falcons, in my opinion, unless you found something. And the Broncos, Judy finally had a good day, 14 targets, 7 catches, 125 yards and a touchdown. We talked about Hamler and Tim Patrick, how they had 10 and 9 targets. Noah Fant left injured, but Ogwebunam just was announced as out for the rest of the season. I'm sure Fant will be back soon, so that's good news for Fant. Where are you locking in Fant for the rest of the season? Top 8, top 6? Um, yeah, I'd say probably top 6, just based on you know the wide receivers that are injured. I mean, Tim Patrick's back, but Colin Zunza, as we know, and with Albert O getting out, Fant's... Fant's been consistent target-wise. Yeah, he true. hasn't always been consistent. Um, coming back from his injury, he looked a pretty he looked pretty off for about two weeks. But, I mean, the first two games of the season, he looked so good. He looked like one of the top tight ends in the league. So if he can get back to being healthy, I mean, he should definitely be a top six tight end the rest of the season, uh, conservatively top eight. So I like Noah Fant. I like him rest of the season. I like him in Dynasty a lot. I was happy with Hamler, um, like we talked about earlier. He's a good pickup especially as long as they got to throw the ball and look like they're going to. Every week they can't play the Falcons, but Drew Locke has to throw the ball because their defense isn't great, and Drew Locke doesn't do well for the first three quarters. So we can talk about Drew Locke and how he might not be the answer. It Agreed. Look I agree. super great for him. I don't think Elway's going to give him a long leash. Elway Definitely wants not. a quarterback who's going to lead this team and get Super Bowls. They have a, a have team, too. To be patient anymore. They have a team too. Like I, I don't blame him. Like I blamed him kind of earlier, but at this point now, especially with Sutton being healthy next year, their defense is still good. Especially when they're all healthy, they do have a team that can compete if they can find the quarterback position. So I wouldn't blame that at all. And then yeah. we, ha- yeah, go ahead. And Jerry Judy, I told multiple people this weekend to start him number one, which was an easy call because he's playing the Falcons, but. Also, he is a great buy now in Dynasty Leagues, even rest of the season you know, for redraft leagues. Jerry Judy is really good. Yeah. He's one of the best route runners I've ever seen come out of college. He's up there with like Amari Cooper for route runners coming out of college. And you saw, I could, you know, if you go back and look at the tape from this 
week against the Falcons, like it's really starting to click for him. He's starting to do these little things that you don't see on the TV, but you see on tape that make him get open. And nothing's easier for a quarterback to throw to than a wide open e- wide receiver. Exactly. That's just like Terry McLaurin. So some people might be saying, you know, well, you guys were just talking about Drew Locke and how Drew Locke might not be the answer there. And who knows if they get the quarterback position right. Do we really want to buy Jerry Judy? Yes, because Jerry Judy, just like Terry McLaurin, is an amazing route runner. He's always open. Those are the guys that benefit or are good with pretty much anybody remotely competent throwing the football. So, yes, Jerry Judy, I agree completely, is a good buy. And the next game we're going to get to was a really close one. It was a nail-biter, Chiefs-Panthers. So talking about that game with the Chiefs-Panthers, every team is way more beatable this year than years past, it seems. And, I mean, you, you see it. Like, every team that's been good has had a really bad loss or it or just hasn't looked as good as they were. And I think you see that as well with the Chiefs almost losing this game to the Panthers. And one thing that caught my eye was Tyreek Hill got 18 targets. What, what was that? I think... 18. 18 targets, Nate. Ridiculous. Tyreek Hill. 18 targets. I mean, that's just... It, it's obnoxious to me. But it was... I mean, it was sick if you're a Tyreek owner. And the the Chiefs offense, I mean, other than the fact that they just love to spread the ball to the running backs, it's, you know, Clyde and Bell and Daryl Williams. You say it like Daryl, right? Not Darrell. Not sure. All right, we'll go with Daryl. So... Daryl Williams, they all got almost around the same snap count. It's ridiculous. Like, they were all, like, right around that 20 range. (sighs) How do you feel? At this point, I don't know if I can, like, it's so hard for me to analyze. Like, Bell is droppable. Like, Clyde's the only one to own, but it's so hard for me to analyze how he should be viewed the rest of the season because I keep thinking he's going to bounce back. They have to, like, like you were talking about Jonathan Taylor, you know, get him involved for the playoff run. Get him going. Get Clyde going. You guys were great right in the beginning of the season with Clyde. And, like, he was great in his first game, and then all of a sudden, you guys are not going to him. I don't understand it. Do you think that that's something that's going to turn around? Um, I don't think it's going to change whether or not it should. Um, I don't know if I have the best opinion on that. I mean, I like Clyde Edwards Hilaire a lot. I liked him before the draft. So I've always been a fan. So I'd love to see him get the, you know, majority of the touches but I don't think it's going to happen I don't think Andy Reid is that kind of coach Um, that was one thing I think a lot of people had issues with coming into the season is Andy Reid's not known for having a workhorse back but when he does it's incredible it's Brian Westbrook Mm -hmm. so that's what we're hoping for with Clyde Edwards Hilaire but it doesn't look like this is the season for that maybe next season Um, but rest of the season doesn't look very good for Clyde Edwards Hilaire as where you drafted him in like the first round, most likely, if you have him. Um, if you drafted him early before the opt-out by Damian Williams, you probably got him in the second or third round, which feels great still. But he's not going to be a consistent running back one week in and week out. Um, in PPR leagues, he'll still have that upside. But it just doesn't seem like he's getting the volume that he needs to to be able to produce in fantasy football. Yeah, it sucks, man. It sucks. And then the Panthers on their side of the ball, Teddy Bridgewater threw 49 passes, and only three went to DJ Moore. I have crippling depression. 
<laughs> that's me nate that is me for real because you know i love dj more when the season like before the season started and it makes no sense to me how do you throw the ball 49 times and pass it to dj more three times you you guys saw in the last game versus atlanta you didn't target dj more at all and then the fourth quarter once it was like clutch time you're throwing the ball to dj more he's looking amazing and all of a sudden you guys don't give him the ball at all in the next game in a game that you guys could have won versus the best team in the league i just it doesn't make any sense it's so frustrating to me you guys threw the ball nine times not you guys but the panthers threw the ball nine times to curtis samuel and he scored nearly as many points in the last six weeks as dj moore and at this point i mean dj moore is not even a wide receiver too robbie anderson is the the go-to guy there he's the only one that's trustworthy and i would use that term loosely he's kind of trustworthy there and uh you know cmc is at least that's the one good thing that's the one other than the fact that he messed up his shoulder but he's day-to-day so he should be fine cmc was his old rb1 self so that was the one good highlight for the panthers but i mean what are your thoughts on this curtis samuel dj moore thing we got going on here yeah it's just really annoying um i'm a i was a big dj moore fan still am but coming into the season and I didn't expect this Robbie Anderson thing. I don't think anyone did. And I haven't been a big fan of Curtis Samuel. So here I am, you know, just telling you that DJ Moore is a wide receiver five in Dynasty Fantasy Football before the season. I'm like, you have to go grab this guy for the cornerstone of your team. I don't blame you at all. And for the rest of the pre-draft leagues, too. I mean, this is a wide receiver one. And I was so excited about Teddy Bridgewater coming in. He's going to be better than Kyle Allen, Joe Brady, and... Uh, Matt Rule, I mean, it's going to be a good team. I was so ready for an incredible year from D- DJ Moore, and it just hasn't happened. It has been really upsetting. Um, yep. But, yeah, I mean, I don't really – I mean, I guess you kind of, like you said, you kind of trust Robbie Anderson. I don't trust Curtis Samuel to continue what he's doing. Nothing he's done before has made me trust him to continue this production. Um, you have to think that at some point DJ Moore gets – you know, thrown back into the mix as one of the main targets, but how do you start him as your wide receiver one or even two? Yeah, you can't. Unless the matchup's really juicy at this point. At this point, I don't even know if that matters. I mean, he did nothing versus Atlanta. And, I mean, yeah, the Chiefs aren't usually great for wide receivers, but it just seems like he gets, like, a crazy big play when you don't expect it in a matchup versus the Bears, for example. And then in easy matchups, he's not pulling through. I don't want any part of DJ Moore. Um, and, you know, I actually, I traded for him um, at some point because I got him for a good value. And, like, it wasn't a bad trade because, like, I gave up Devontae Parker and uh, somebody else. I don't remember who it was. It was, like, decent trade for both sides. And at this point, like, both sides ended up trading bad players because <laughs> Devontae <laughs> Parker is not looking good. DJ Moore is not looking good. But, um with that said, I think we can move to the Raiders-Chargers game. Man, the Chargers should have won. They got a bunch of tough breaks. I mean, that's just that's the worst way to lose, man. That is ridiculous. And I guess initially I thought it was a catch. Initially I thought it was a touchdown catch. I watched it a couple more times, and I understand why they didn't call it. But, I mean, he got his feet down. He got his knee down. He still had possession at that point. And then it came out. It just it sucks. That's how the rule is, though, so I understand it. Um, it just sucks as a Chargers fan. But you know what? They had no shot this year um, just because of like their injuries, which, by the way, they're always so injured, which is crazy. 
but this this is good. I mean, they have a really nice core around Justin Herbert. Herbert looks amazing, way better than anybody would have expected. He left all the bad behind in college. Um, and then the other takeaways for me in this game is Dar- Darren Waller, clearly the tight end too, with Kittle out. It's not even close. Kalen Balaj, uh, I, I want to see what your thoughts are on that. But then Keenan Allen continues to be a top five wide receiver. I was telling everyone about three weeks ago, go buy Keenan Allen. I pulled out his pace. He was on pace for 212 targets at the time. I don't know what his pace is now, but I'm sure it's still close. Once, if you look at his healthy games with Herbert. And um, he was on pace for like 155 receptions, on pace to break Michael Thomas's record. And I was telling them, you know, because of the easy schedule and just because of his humongous target share with Justin Herbert, he was a great buy and a locked-in top five wide receiver the rest of the year. Since then, he's gotten, I think, 20 points in each of the last three games. So that looks awesome. And then Mike Williams, he should definitely be rostered even in like 10 team leagues. He's starting to get stable targets now. So that's good. Um, what are your thoughts on pretty much anything in this game? Cause I know I kind of just took that like, yeah, you're good. went uh, through it, but go for it. Yeah. So I agree. I mean, with the chargers talking about the chargers wide receivers, I mean, Keenan Allen, he's a target hog right now. I mean, he's just, it's ridiculous how many targets he's getting from Justin Herbert. Obviously, Justin Herbert loves throwing to Keenan Allen. Um, so, like you said, top five wide receiver the rest of the season. It's hard to deny that right now. Um, I also am a huge fan of Mike Williams. Um, rest of the season, also in Dynasty, I think his play style fits perfectly with Justin Herbert. And it might take a couple more weeks to really get there. Um, we are starting to see it, but... Mike Williams and Justin Herbert are like a match made in heaven with Herbert's arm and Mike Williams' ability to not only get down the field, but also have those that contested catch ability where he is, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a 50-50 ball when it's thrown to Mike Williams. It's like an 80-20 ball because Mike Williams just makes the most ridiculous catches. It doesn't matter how many people are him. He is just incredible at coming down with the ball. So both those wide receivers are great for the rest of the season. They're great for Dynasty. Anyone attached to Justin Herbert right now looks great. He has surprised me. I was, you know, I had him as my quarterback three. Most people did. Some people had you know, Jacob Eason, I think, above him sometimes. But he's not talking about he, fantasy right here. He's talking about pre-draft like rankings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pre-draft quarterback rankings for the rookie class. And he he has surprised everybody. I don't think anyone thought Herbert could be this good this quickly. Um, it <laughs> it's really been like you know, there's not many even words to describe other than just incredible. Hundred um, percent. So, He's great rest of the season. I don't care that his team is not winning games, especially in fantasy football. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't look bad on him. I don't think I don't think anyone's looking at these games and saying, "Oh wow, if Herbert was a better quarterback, the Chargers might be winning." No. Yeah, nobody's putting the close losses on him at all. Herbert's been incredible, so I don't think there's much to talk about with the Raiders. I mean, I don't. I was excited about their fantasy situation coming into the season. As the season has progressed, it just looks harder and harder yeah. to take pieces of it. I mean, Josh Jacobs was good, he was bad, he's good, he's bad. What is he? It really depends on their game script and depends on their offensive line. Um, wide receivers, Henry Ruggs is good for one or two great catches a game down the field. But it's Nelson Aguilar, it's you know, Hunter Renfro one game, it's maybe Brian Edwards at the end of the season. Um, yeah, it's the Waller show, know. basically. Yeah, that's, it's, it's that's, Darren that's it. Waller and that's about it. Yeah, yeah that's the only rating um, you want. So I definitely agree with a lot of what you said. I don't want to touch it's hard to talk about the chargers running backs 
Yeah, I don't even, dude, if you don't want to touch on it, there's really not much to touch on, I, yeah. I think. Like, Kevin Blash had a great game, great. But Justin Jackson should be back soon. Eckler's going to be back soon. It doesn't yeah, really even matter. Yeah, it was, like, the two guys last week, like, Pope and the other guy. Exactly. Like, exactly. Who, what's even going on there? Just, for for your sanity, just don't start any running back not named Eckler. Yeah. Or Justin and, Jackson. I, I don't mind it if he's healthy, but he's just gotten unlucky with injuries. Then we have the... I, go I ahead. think now with the other guys who've shown up, I don't think you can even really trust Justin Jackson when he's back. I think they're going to hmm, try to, interesting. you know, mix in That's these different point. guys. Definitely. So. Then we have the, the Dolphins-Cardinals game. I was pleasantly surprised to see some sick Tua runs. He's not really a running quarterback, so he had some nice runs. Um, and then, once again, another running back. It's like, do we even need to talk about him? Sal Salvin Ahmed. He looked good. Definitely better than Trash Howard. Um, Preston Williams seems like Tua's guy. We kind of already talked about this. We don't really need to talk about the receivers. And then um, Christian Kirk is back. Four good games in a row. He is healthy now. Uh, were you somebody that was high on Kirk? I don't remember. I feel like you were. Um, or were you kind of just I middle? high-ish on, on Kirk coming into the season. Mm. I thought he could do really well in the wide receiver two role over there. Yeah, he is. He, he is now for wide sure. Receiver one. And... I don't know. It's been up and down year for him, obviously, the first half of the year so far. The first half of the first half was really bad, and the yeah. second half of the first half was good. So it's kind of, you know, what do you do? You can sell high right now. I mean, if you bought I wouldn't. I would high. hold him. I hold. Um, I would hold him. I like it. I, I, I really believe he was just not still, because that was his problem last year. Last year, his efficiency dipped so much because he wasn't healthy and i think that kind of continued into this beginning of the season and i think he's healthy now i really i truly believe that's what it was i don't know if i'm as high on him as you i don't I'm not one though who's like oh he's terrible just get rid of him as quickly as possible you know it's it's, it's kind of a hard guy to get a you know a beat on yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean especially deandre hopkins did not put up the stats you'd expect deandre hopkins to put up mm -hmm. this sunday and there's no denying it. I mean, if DeAndre Hopkins does well, which, I mean, there's going to be multiple games over the rest of the season, he's going to have 150 yards and, like, 12 catches. So if he does well, I mean, that's just less for Kirk. I know the team throws the ball a lot and there's lots of yards to be gained, but I don't I don't really know how I feel about Christian Kirk, honestly. I think if he's your wide receiver three of flex, you're fine, but I don't know if I am, you know, excited necessarily about him for the rest of the season. All right, and then, I mean, I don't really think there's anything too much to talk about. I mean, Chase Edmonds didn't do much. Like, he didn't do great. He got a huge workload. But Kenyon Drake will be back soon. I think that's just going to continue to be a frustrating situation there. And um, I think, I mean, I'm ready to move on to Steelers-Cowboys. Is there anything you wanted to say? No? No. All right. So, with the Steelers-Cowboys, first off, I was so hoping that Dallas was going to pull this out. Because over 40% of the people in survivor pools that were still alive took the Steelers this week and man I was like man we could eliminate half the pool right here that would have been insane but of course the Steelers did come back they had um a pretty bad offensive day and I wanted to ask you just like last time I had you on the Steelers receiver core so who is the number one I know you said Deontay Johnson last time I don't remember if you said Juju or Claypool I believe Juju was your number two Juju was third in targets in this game. Claypool was first in targets in this game with 13. He did have some drops. His day could have been way better, but he still had a good day, and he continued to get targeted. He also has one ability that the other receivers on that team don't have, 
which is size, physicality, and winning 50-50 balls. How do you feel now about these wide receivers? Do you still think Deontay's the one? And who is the number two? Just talking redraft. Yeah, so I still feel similarly. Um, I still, I think in just who's going to get the most targets, I still think it's Deontay Johnson, number one, when fully healthy. Um, that's the guy that Ben Roethlisberger is always looking at. And let's see, this week he had 10. So Claypool led the team in targets this week yep. with 13. But a lot of Claypool's targets, like I said before, are you know, schemed. They're created, they're manufactured for Claypool to get the ball in his hand and make something happen. And yes, that's going to continue the rest of the season as they try to get him involved. But it's not something you can always rely on, especially 13 targets. I mean, Of course not. It's the Cowboys' not. defense. Yeah. That's part of the reason, even though the Steelers did not look great against the Cowboys' defense. Um, but 13 targets, you're not going to – I don't think you can expect to get 13 targets from Chase Claypool very often. Um, the other teams are going to start defending Claypool since they know that the Steelers are going to try to get him involved. And I don't think Claypool is a good enough receiver yet to be able to – create space for himself and create opportunity for himself. So in the next coming weeks, Claypool's going to start to decline, I think. And at that point, you got Deontay and Juju who are able to create space and opportunity for themselves. They're able to separate and get open. And I think Claypool will still have some big games where he has like a couple targets and a couple catches down the field for touchdowns that you know get people really excited those highlight plays. But I think Deontay and Juju are going to be the consistent – um, floor, you know, maybe not as much upside as Claypool, but I think there's still really good options for the rest of the season, especially in PPR leagues. Both of them should get plenty of targets and catches. Um, so if I had to say my pecking order, I still think it's Deontay, Juju, Claypool, but they are definitely trying to get Claypool involved as much as possible. We'll just have to see if that continues. Yeah, I agree with you on Deontay. I would still have him as my number one, but at this point, I'm moving Claypool over Juju. Claypool seems like he's just a bigger piece in that offense to them over Juju, in my opinion. He also does bring something to the table. Like, Juju and Deontay, while they are different and Deontay is, like, faster and a better route runner, they're kind of similar. And I don't see him and Deontay being the one and two. I really believe that Claypool is passing Juju at this point in redraft leagues uh, just for the rest of the season. And... I will say Juju led the team in fantasy points yeah but he had receivers. yeah but he had the touchdown though even we with, we don't like relying on touchdowns now i mean even without the touchdown he would have led the team in wide receivers and fantasy points in ppr leagues mm, all right you got me there you, you got me there but i still like Claypool for the rest of the season over juju and then on the offensive side of the ball for the cowboys i think it was just i mean there's not really anything you, you take from this game unless you saw something I didn't, um, but, I mean, they spread the ball out pretty evenly. It was just a whatever game. Um, not too yeah. much to take there. And then, all right, so I guess that brings us, oh, man. I guess that brings us to the, you want to just take this whole segment? <laughs> Takes us to um, the Bucks game. I think I'll just let you have this entire thing. Oh, I great. I came off at halftime or the bed because great. there was nothing to even watch. So, my Bucks got completely embarrassed, destroyed, bamboozled. Um, fleeced by the Saints and uh, there's not much to analyze for fantasy because of the way that game just got out of hand right away so here's my rant on the game so we have the books have three 
three and outs in a row. Yeah, see, Nate's just taking a drink. He's sitting back. He's going to enjoy this because I'm, oh, man. So three three and outs in a row the Bucks had. Ridiculous. You have Tom Brady. Antonio Brown was on the field from the second offensive play. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Robert Gronkowski. You have three three and outs. Ridiculous. And not to mention, the only successful plays were runs. And then to tell me that you run the ball four times the entire game. No one has ever done that. No one has ever done that in the history of Dota. Never. Never. NFL record, by the way, lowest rush attempts. Now, yes, the rush attempts as a total was five. Still, NFL record, only four runs. You have Ronald Jones has been playing great all season. Leonard Fournette, who is a very good running back as well. And... Like, Brady was off. Godwin has a splint on his fingers. AB doesn't know the offense yet. Lattimore locks up Evans all the time. And you don't run the ball ever? It blows my mind. Tom Brady is not going to throw himself out of a slump. Look, he can. But you have the running game there for you. Like, basketball players, I'm a basketball player. I played in high school. You should not keep shooting in a live game. Like, you could basically say a live playoff game. To, to, you know, equate importance of this football game in division rivals trying to win the division. If you're a basketball player, you cannot keep shooting in a live game when you are off and you have a good center sitting in the paint to dish the ball to. That good center is Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. It's just ridiculous. And Ali Marpet is needed, extremely needed, not wanted, needed. And Donovan Smith, this man gave up three sacks in a row back to back to back to Hendrickson. Most of you guys probably don't even know who that is. Like, are you serious right now? And it was just outright embarrassing. It was revolting. And also, just to rub salt in the room, the salt in the wound, in case you thought Jameis Winston grew up and became mature, he didn't. Because you guys remember the, uh, I would show you, but obviously I can't. Do you guys remember the, oh, I'll eat a W thing that everyone made memes of? Well, guess what? He did that. During Drew Brees' interview at the end of the game, he came into the camera frame and did that again, like, to, like, just, you know, talk smack to the Bucks. It's just ridiculous. Like, that kid, he's a kid, bro. James was is a kid. Um, and he did not grow up at all. That just made it even worse. Ridiculous. But, lastly, to try to find some silver lining and be able to sleep at night, the Bucks needed this to happen now and not right, right before the playoffs. It was better to happen now than to happen earlier it's happened before or I mean not earlier it's happened later on and all of a sudden like right before we're going to the playoffs we're freaking out you know we need this to bounce back um and yeah like I said there's not much fantasy to take away maybe I'm just blinded by the frustration of the game so Nate it's all you if you got any fantasy takes on here I mean Michael Thomas is back but he was covered by Carlton baby Carlton Davis who is really really good yes so I mean wasn't too much to take away there I'm as long as Michael Thomas is back, it's going to be fine. I'm not worried about it. Um, also, as long as Michael Thomas is back, I don't trust Trey Con Smith. I don't trust of Emmanuel course, Sanders. I don't trust anyone on that team other than Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, and Alvin Kamara. Yep. And yeah, they look. Drew Brees spread the ball around to just about everybody on the team last night. But going forward, it's still going to be the Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara show for Drew Brees. 100% agreed. And with that said, that wraps up our. Our game recaps, I'm just going to hit a couple things real quick. We got some buy lows, all schedule related. If you guys listen to the, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the name. 
the uh, playoff schedule, what really matters podcast or something like that. Um, these are the guys that have great or really bad schedules for the fantasy playoffs, which is what matters because once you're in the playoffs, you need to win. And so these are my bylaws. Justin Herbert has a top five. All these guys are top five in schedules for their respective positions in fantasy playoff schedules. That's Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, DeAndre Swift. There you go, Nate. Jamison Crowder and Allen Robinson. Also, you can throw in Denzel Mims in deep leagues because I think he's starting to get involved very much. I wouldn't be surprised if he's pretty good down the stretch. And then some sell highs, guys that have horrible. And, I'm, you know, maybe you want to chime in on this one because I know you're just talking this guy up to Sean Watson. He has a, actually, I believe the worst the number one worst fantasy playoff schedule for the quarterback position. That's weeks 14 to 16. And um, so he's a sell high for me. He's still going to be good. He'll probably still be a top 12 quarterback, but he is not going to be what he has been to this point, in my opinion. And it's just going to be a rough stretch for him. So if you could flip Deshaun Watson, yes, I know you want to chime in. Let me finish this quick. If you could flip Deshaun Watson for Justin Herbert, I would do it. Go ahead. I, I would do that as well. Hey! Yeah, look, looking at this uh, schedule here, like you said, um, some leagues do have Week 13 playoff starts, um, but that doesn't actually help Watson at all. <laughs> um, week 13 plays the Colts. Week 14, the Bears. No one looks good against the Bears defense. Week 15, the Colts again. So that is obviously really hard. If you have him, though, and you can't move him, and you make it to your championship Week 16, you're very happy because they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals. So, yes, but those first two are it's gonna be rough. Hard. It's going to be hard to overcome. Um, if your playoffs do start in week 13, that's even rougher. Also, remember that the Panthers have a bye. Yes, that's true. They do. Bye. Week 13. Unfortunately. Um, but I think most standard leagues do. Uh, oh, hold, we're losing you, Nate, right at the end. All right. Am I back now? Yes, you're back. <laughs> All right, are you talking? I can't tell if you're talking. <laughs> All right, okay. So, Watson, and then there, there he is. All right, two more sell highs for me. Zach Moss, because uh, he's getting the touchdowns, and I don't trust that running back room at all. It's similar to the, the Ravens, just a, a little bit lesser. And then Curtis Samuel. I mean, you might not be able to get anything for him, but if you have somebody that's like, ooh, I really like me some Curtis Samuel, I would flip him because I don't think it's going to continue. There's no way that they don't get DJ Moore more involved. Um, and with that said, I mean, that's all I got. We already talked about the fact that we're still alive in the survivor pool. Nate, do you have anything you want to talk about? Sell highs, buy lows, anything, any in- input on the guys or names I said, or anything you got before we head out? <laughs> <laughs> he keeps cutting out. That's why he's laughing. Okay. Yes or no? I don't know what you asked me a question. Okay. Do you have... Do you have any sell highs or buy lows, or should we go ahead and head out of here? Uh, I think we should head out. I think my internet's about to... <laughs> All right. They're giving us a sign. All right. So that's Nate, guys, at NateNFL on Twitter. Go check him out. He's a great guy. Obviously, I'm bringing him on the podcast, so that should tell you all you need to know. And, um, Nate, thanks for coming on, man. Have a good night, and I wish you luck in the coming week. Divers, I wish you guys luck, too. Let's keep it going. Have a good one. I'm your host, Brandon Gore. Remember to drop a review and, you know, share the podcast with your friends because that really helps us out. Thanks for everything, guys. Peace.